Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that made it to the finish line. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am the youngest brother, Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the middlest brother. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the oldest brother. That would be me, Trey Newman. All right, we are recording this on Tuesday night. Devontae Smith just just won the Heisman, so congrats to him. Finally, a, a non-running back, non-quarterback winning the award. Really non-quarterback, because yeah. that's that's been kind of the norm. So I don't know about you guys. I thought that was kind of good to see. Yeah, absolutely. I love seeing a, a non-QB guy get get the award and a wide receiver at that. And one of those Alabama guys deserved it. That was like the best offense I've seen <laughs> maybe ever. So they deserved one of those guys deserved it. Yeah, incredible. Mix it up a little bit. I like seeing the the wideout get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we can uh, talk more about uh, the the Heisman and, and what that means in the off season. We got a lot to get to today. So we're going to start by recapping last weekend's playoff games, uh, the Rose Bowl was well you tell me what what happened in the Rose Bowl Alabama won 31 to 14 yeah. against Notre Dame uh what'd you see here Ryan yeah was, nobody was really surprised that Alabama won you know relatively easily uh even though they watching the game and kind of seeing everything after they probably didn't play their best I'm sure they would look at the game and say hey we got we got a lot we can probably get better at here um they weren't maybe quite as dominant as you would have thought, especially, like I said, looking at those stats both teams had 24 first downs uh they rushed for nearly the exact I know Alabama's plays were much longer <laughs> yeah yeah first downs aren't created equal i get that uh they rushed for maybe about, about the same amount of yards um and the total yards bama just had 60 more total yards so it wasn't like some huge statistically dominant thing where it was just like a huge domination alabama did go up early and kind of controlled the game they're up 21 7 and so you know maybe they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit there but they've done that in games before, and they've kept their foot on the gas, and they've scored ended up scoring over fifty. Notre Dame was able to settle settle in defensively and keep this relatively close, um, you know, within the, the point spread at least. Because um, after that twenty one seven lead, it was early in the second quarter. Notre Dame or uh, Alabama only scored like ten more points after that. So I thought Notre Dame did a good job as well as they could have could have handled this. They held Alabama to their lowest point total this season. Kyle Hamilton was played really well in the secondary. Um, and I thought their front seven kind of stepped up and at least presented a challenge for that Alabama off. So I'm trying to be nice here. I know Alabama dominated, but Notre Dame, I, I give them credit. They, they didn't get in completely annihilated in this game. Sure. I mean, I don't know. I watched the different, this game was, that was as close of a result as Notre Dame could have possibly really had. I mean, Bill Connolly had a post game win expectancy of Alabama a hundred percent for Bama, just like, there was, they really took the foot off the gas, it looked like. But they, you know, on Alabama's first three drives, they scored three touchdowns. They needed to convert only one third down. They had 18 plays for 260 yards. So, like, those first three drives, they did what they wanted at will. I know Notre Dame, they bowed up. They Props to them. Same they, thing happened to Notre Dame at North Carolina. They just, first few possessions, they just boom, boom, boom. And then Notre Dame stiffened up. But I mean, it's, it, I guess it's a testament to Alabama that like, they're so good that they can kind of throttle it down and just kind of yeah. coast through a playoff victory. Yeah, um, but, um, you know, when you watch it though, it was just, there was a couple of plays that stood out where you were watching like men against boys. Like when, when Najee Harris 
leapt the defender and continued running in stride for yeah. his longest run of the year. Like it's just like, yeah, it's, just not, it's not a fair fight, no matter who mm-hmm. it's not Notre Dame's fault, just anyone in general. It's like, wow. Um, but yeah, the, the guy didn't, didn't even really dive. Sorry to interrupt you, but the defender didn't even really like dive at Najee, you know, like normally that's like when the guy goes for his knees, the guy was kind of mm-hmm. like standing up, <laughs> like he had yeah. to jump like six feet to get over him. But I mean, uh, Overall, I just, you know, Notre Dame just didn't have the offensive firepower to to keep up. Um, but they did have a very fortunate backdoor cover in this one. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I, I kind of saw it more like you. I know Ryan was trying to be nice, but yes, I this was, was 31 to 7 uh, before what was, you know, a garbage time touchdown. And you look at the the success rate of the two teams before garbage time. I think Alabama almost doubled Notre Dame. Um, so... Yeah, I saw this as as basically a blowout almost everywhere but the scoreboard. I mean, even 17 points, it's still a, a very easy victory. Um, but yeah, I thought the, the widest gap was just with those athletes on the outside. Obviously, you got Alabama's receivers. Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner, had three touchdowns. And uh, Notre Dame, Skaronic, and McKinley were, for most of the game, pretty much non-factors. They got some catches at the end there, but uh, most of, of yeah. Book's passes were to to Michael Mayer and the running backs, so they were... You know, those guys were effective, but down the field, they, they didn't do much. So, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I guess, in in the end, a total blowout. But I don't get the feeling that this is some sort of like moral victory for Notre Dame. Like, you know, they were never really in the game and they they covered. Sure. But yeah, <laughs> if I was a Notre yeah. Dame fan, I'm like, well. It is I mean, not that I expect would expect any other team to do any better against no, Alabama. Like not a, any not of the other that. four seeds would have had the same thing maybe even worse so yes yes i agree uh but by the way the that last touchdown it was i mean it's it's a kind of a moot point because it would have taken absolute craziness for notre dame to somehow tie it but why not go for two they they kicked the extra point to go down 17 they could have gone down by two scores which would have made that that you know they did get that onside kick afterwards would have made things at least the slightest bit of of interesting but they wanted every point possible I guess so. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's uh, get to the Sugar Bowl. A much more surprising result here: Ohio State beat Clemson forty-nine to twenty-eight. What'd you What'd you see in this one, Trey? So, I mean, first of all, that was one of the greatest performances by Justin Fields. Uh, six touchdown passes alone is incredible. Much less a few of them after it looked like he was going to be knocked out of the game, getting uh, from Skalski's hit to his kind of rib rib area um and it was crazy too because clemson the first drive they marched down the field they scored with relative ease on that buckeyes defense and you're kind of thinking okay well this is what we were worried about if you're ohio state uh their their defense but after that man ohio state was crazy the the buckeyes d they played like they hadn't all year lived up to the potential that they they had they um they pretty much stifled clemson for the most part uh, most of the yards that Clemson got really came when they were trailing by two or three scores. So it was kind of like Ohio State was taking their foot off the gas or, or you know, staying conservative on defense. Um, but they were swarming, getting pressure on Lawrence. Lawrence never really looked comfortable for most of the game. They completely shut down ETN. Uh, and then, obviously, I alluded to it earlier, the offense, though, could do no wrong. They they kept beating Clemson's defensive backs over the top they were getting all of a sudden the lave would be behind the the defense it was it was wild my last point is ohio state in the first half really won this game on third down they 
converted in the first half, five of six third downs, third and eight, third and four, third and 13, third and nine, and third and 10. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And then they were, they were, they were scoring after they converted. So good for them. Yeah. Ryan Day clearly had a, a great game plan and Fields was ridiculous. Like you said, just, I mean, perfectly placed deep balls there. One of the all time performances, especially when you factor in the, the hit he took from from Skowski clearly he was uh, was feeling pain after that but uh but what what was your what were your thoughts on on that play so of course James Skowski led with his head and got a targeting penalty that meant he was out of the game and in the first half they were already already without um the safety Nolan Turner so so that you know may have played a factor in in Fields production in the first half but but did you think it was the the right call there I mean unfortunately I do you know I, I know it's the the penalty is definitely harsh um, you know, but as far as what the the rule is, I mean, it was pretty obvious he ducked his head. I mean, it's not just for people always say it's, you know, they worry about the, the offensive guy. It's not just for the, the offensive guy's safety. It's for the defensive guy's safety as well, which is why they're enforcing in that rule so harshly. But, you know, when you duck your head like that, you just got to expect you're going to be gone. So, and people, and people I saw people on Twitter saying, well, fields kind of turned into him, but that the point is, is that he still led with his head. Like, like yeah. there's been a lot of people are saying you got to kind of keep your head up. So, yeah. and like, if he would have, if Skalski, the way the hit looked like Skalski almost looked like he took the worst of it where like he could have busted his neck and like That's at point, that yeah. point. So anyways, it was, uh, the, you, the, the different argument though, is the penalty, like for him yeah. having to sit out the whole game. That's a different argument, but yeah. I think yeah. that the call is correct. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, the call clearly as the rule is written is correct. And this is something we can get into in the offseason because it's maybe not super relevant right now. But I mean, it does stand to reason that the harsher the penalty, you know, in in this case, an ejection, the less likely they are to do it. Yeah, the less likely they are to do it. And especially when it was an intentional act, you know, like this, at least, you know, he he could have not led with his head there. Um, so and when it's trying to protect players from getting seriously hurt, then that's, you yeah. know, I'm OK with the harsh penalty. But I think maybe at least the one way to improve it was just not have them have to sit out at least the next portion of the next game. You know what I mean? Like that one's always, okay. you know, the, yeah. if you get out in the, in the, uh, what the beginning of the second half of one game, then you have to sit out the first half of the following game. I think that one to me is a little like, really the next full game, like a week later, you're going to penalty. I don't know. To me, right. I, I would maybe change that a little bit, but for the okay. off season. Well, anyway, but, yeah, exactly. Back to the game. So, other than Justin Fields' amazing performance, I thought the biggest difference in the game was the trenches. Like Ohio State was, of course, opening up big holes for Trey Sermon. He is had he's having his Ezekiel Elliott moment here at the end of the season, just putting up huge numbers. Um, and like you said, they bottled up ETN and, and got pressure on Lawrence on on the other side. So Ohio State was was better on the offensive and defensive lines. That's what's kind of surprised me. I mean, I I, I didn't. I didn't think Clemson or Ohio State would maybe get dominated, but I did think Clemson was going to be the better team uh, in the trenches, especially maybe on the D, their defensive line. But Ohio State was just, they were nails. I don't, it was, it was impressive. This was, uh, we hadn't seen Ohio State play this dominant, of course, the entire season. Um, but they just, they picked their best, the best time to play their best football. Uh, and Justin Fields, we had kind of saw him last year. You know, obviously he was incredible and he was playing kind of like this almost all of last year um, and then just saved it for this. But it was it was good to get a guy like Olave back. I know having him out for a little bit while wow, definitely definitely hurt that offense. But 
Um, it was impressive. I don't even know what else to say. Trey Sermon's a beast now. <laughs> the Fields is a beast. Yep. Their offensive line turned up. I am thoroughly impressed with the way they played. I was wrong about it. I'm happy to admit <laughs> I thought Clemson was going to win, but wow, this was a, uh, this was a beat down. And in Clemson's defense as well, they, they started out well on offense with maybe those scripted plays that, that Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator had a hand in and he, uh, was out this game due to, due to COVID. So maybe them not being able to make adjustments later in the game, that could have been cause he was gone. Who knows? Maybe, but like Venables had no answer on defense. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah I don't know. I'm not sure what the defense yeah. is. <laughs> Could have been 49-42 instead of 49-28. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, uh, well, let's look ahead now. So we recap the the semifinals. Let's get to the CFP championship. Of course, we've got Ohio State and Alabama. Crimson Tide are favored eight, and this game is being played in Miami. And just a, a quick note here. Like I said, we're recording this Tuesday night, and Tuesday was a pretty eventful day on Twitter because AL.com reported that COVID issues at Ohio State were were threatening to push the game back a week uh since then ohio state athletic director gene smith has come out everyone's come out and said you know as of right now this it's we're on track to play uh as scheduled on the 11th so we'll see but uh, any any thoughts on on the twitter craziness today i mean i'm leaving it up to the schools to decide what's best for them you know i'm it's not up up to us to, to kind of put any opinions on that you know it's just kind of hey what the schools say it's for the best safety of the kids and that's what we got to yeah. go with yeah, we don't really have much information, but uh, yeah, <laughs> didn't stop a nice tweet <laughs> from Nick Saban's daughter about. Yeah, uh, ouch. yeah. I can't BS imagine COVID. Dad was too happy with that. <laughs> no, I can't imagine he was. Either. Strong take. Strong take. Very strong take. But she wasn't the only one. There were a lot of strong takes no. fired on Twitter. Uh, all right, well, let's get to the game. So, I uh, I'm expecting a, a very high scoring game. That's not that's not a hot take. The total is seventy five and a half, and you know, even though Ohio State's pass defense in that first half ended up playing well against Clemson, I think even Ohio State fans in this game are not expecting to slow down, you know, Mac Jones and that passing offense too much. So uh, I think their best hope is to try and get pressure on Mac Jones. The Not many teams or really anybody has been able to do that this year, but Ohio State is first in the country in pressure rate. So they might stand a chance there. Their defensive line, Haskell Garrett, Tommy Togiai on the inside playing super well Cooper on the outside and hopefully uh, Zach Harrison is back. I haven't heard any news there, but uh, that would, that would certainly help. So that's, that's the hope for Ohio state to, to slow down Bama other side of the ball. Justin Fields needs to, you know, have a near repeat performance of last week. We said heading into the playoff that yeah, Alabama's defense is really good, but great offenses can have success against them. Ole Miss did it through the air and on the ground. Florida did it through the air. So Ohio State's certainly capable, but ultimately, I just, I just think Ohio- Alabama's better, a little bit better on both sides of the ball, and more consistent offensively. So I can trust that they're going to put forth a great offensive effort. Ohio State might, but it's, yeah. I think, I'm less certain. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. We we saw one huge game. I mean, from Ohio State, just to, you know, the last game before that, it was you you weren't quite sure what you were going to get. I mean, uh, that's what kind of makes you a little reluctant, uh, even though you know I. I do after that one game, it's like, wow, that was <laughs> really darn impressive. And it's hard not to think that they're going to uh, kind of replicate at least a little bit of that saying, keeping that momentum, especially just the way fields played. I mean, if fields is there and he's healthy, he's going to, he's going to have a monster game. Um, as, and I think also another key, like Michael, you kind of brought up, can Ohio state, can, can they at least make Alabama one dimensional, you know, can they take away something? 
Can they take can they take Najee Harris away on the ground? Is that front four, that front seven going to be stuff tough enough to kind of withstand obviously that great Alabama offensive line and hold Najee Harris in check? That way the secondary can kind of just focus on their elite receivers. Because teams so far this year, they just they it's pick your poison. They haven't been able to do it either. You know, if you, so um I think what you said, the 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 pressure rate from Ohio State. Their front four, if they're able to get at least a little bit of pressure um, on Mac Jones, that'll kind of free up that secondary a little bit. And, you know, they did give up quite a few yards to Clemson, but it came kind of later in the game. So, um, but I, like you said, I think this is going to be such a high, high powered game. There's going to be a ton of passes thrown, ton of points scored. Um, whichever kind of team avoids that, the big mistakes uh, is going to be a huge one because they're both going to move the ball very well, I think. It's just a matter of who avoids that turnover, who avoids the crucial penalty that's going to set them back. Who plays a clean game? I think will be a, a large, large part part here. Okay. Yeah, by the way, I didn't I didn't bring it up, but I'm I'm taking Ohio State plus eight. I'm taking Bama to win, but Ohio State to cover. What about you, Ryan? I am taking uh, Ohio State plus the points as well. Okay. I am. You know, at the beginning of the year, I actually predicted Ohio State would beat Alabama in the title game. So I'm being a little stubborn here, and I'm also going to I'm going to take the Buckeyes. Um, yeah. It's just too hard for me to ignore the last game. I mean, Clemson was easily everyone's second best team going into the last week, and they just ran them out of the Superdome. Uh, you know, Bama's, of course, the deserved favorite, so I'm not expecting a, a duplicate performance, but um I just I don't see why this game can't be similar to like the SEC title game where Florida was able yeah. to kind of not necessarily match score for score, but they were able to have a chance at the end of the game to to win or at least tie. And you guys touched on it, like the 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 key is Ohio State's D line. Another matchup though is Ohio State's linebacker Pete Warner. He did very well containing Travis Etienne. He's been known to shut down other running backs throughout the year. If he can, I'm not saying he's going to shut down Najee Harris, but if he can at least contain him, that'll be a, a a big key. But I mean, overall, we saw how well Fields Alave played versus a really good defense. I don't see why they can't do something similar this week, especially Trey Sermon running like a beast. Um, it's tough to to pick against this Bama team, but I'm going to take a shot with them with with the team that I saw last week. Okay, so. I took Alabama to to at least win the game. You guys, you picking the upset? I'm going bold. I I picked them in the beginning of the year, so I got to stick with it. Ohio State 38-34. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going with Trey. Uh, I'm I'll take Ohio State here. I'm saying 42-38, a little bit a little bit more high scoring, but you know. Okay. I want to go with a little bit uh, off the uh, off the radar here. All right, I'm going 41-34 Bama. And uh we got to bring up Jalen Waddle is uh Apparently yeah. returning to practice, he's he's been cleared to to practice. So we'll see. That's an X factor there. If he can be, you know, I don't know. He's been out for for a while, and yeah. he's he's yeah. just getting back. I don't know how effective he'll be, but who knows? It's crazy. Yeah. At least, happen, at least maybe a, at least maybe a decoy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's still super fast. Yeah, and then uh, the other X factor, I guess, is just Justin Fields' injury. Like, how? Yeah, is he going to be able to run? Uh, yeah. you know, how's, is time going to help him or was he just kind of, you know, adrenaline and he said he took one or two shots at halftime too. I'm sure they might, uh, do that again to, you know, yeah, he won't be, pain. he won't be a hundred percent, but it will be a factor to see how, how healthy he is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get to, uh, some bold predictions here. So I will say that the two teams combine for 800 yards passing, um, Ohio Whoa. state, has been 
one of the best defenses in the country against the run. So if it's a competitive game, I can see Alabama leaning more on Mac Jones in the passing game than, you know, more than a, a, a typical opponent. And of course we saw Michael Penix throw for 491 yards against this defense. You know, last week, of course, like we said, a lot of it was sort of when, when Clemson was down a bunch, but I think uh, Lawrence still got to 400 yards. So yeah. Mac Jones is fully capable. Uh, and then on the other side, Justin Fields, if he just, does what he did last week he just plays like yeah. that then who knows we kind of think alike here mike um because my bold prediction is that there will be at least eight touchdown passes uh, in the game okay so each quarterback was going to throw well i mean you know it could be five and three but uh yeah there's going to be eight so i'm going to say right. that they each get four uh, and it's going to come down to who can get a rushing touchdown or two uh to win right. this one uh but yeah, I mean, hey, Fields had six last week. Mac Jones, you know, he's, <laughs> he can obviously fire him with the best of them. Devonta Smith is himself had three touchdowns uh, last week. So, yep, I'm going eight touchdown passes. I like it. I like it. Um, I can't decide exactly which it will be, but Bama is going to run a fake punt or fake field goal, and it's not going to work. Mm, he's, wow. Saban, he, Saban has tried trick plays in national titles before. He ran a fake field goal or fake punt against Texas, I believe, a fake field goal against Georgia. Those didn't work. Um, onside kick against Clemson a few years ago actually did work. So, yeah, he ran a fake field goal against Clemson a couple of years ago. The or was it Clemson? That, Sorry, not. Yeah, that was the one that just like had no chance. It ended up having no chance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wrong, wrong title. It's easy to yeah. easy to mix them up. But right. uh, so, anyways, they will uh, run a fake, and it it will not work this time. That's interesting. Yeah, trick plays. I hadn't really thought about that. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if if anybody. I mean, if if there's one game to do it, why not this one? I guess the last game of the season. It's been done uh, in the Super Bowl. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get to the coaching carousel. So we had. Some big news. Um, you may have already seen our YouTube video this this weekend. We hopped on there and recorded an episode about Tom Herman being fired and Steve Sarkeesian being hired. But let's give our, our thoughts here on the podcast as well. So uh, first, Trey, was uh, was the firing of, of Herman justified? I don't necessarily think it was. I mean, the Longhorns are better now than what he inherited from from Charlie Strong. Um, has it been as good as Oklahoma's run the last few years? No. But there, it doesn't to me. They don't seem that far away. Um, they won a New Year's Six Bowl versus Georgia a couple years ago. This year, they went seven and three. Their three losses were microscopic: field goal, or I mean, a fumble to TCU, four overtimes to Oklahoma, missed a field goal dicker the kicker uh, against Iowa State. I know they were fortunate in a couple of their wins, um, but I mean, say they beat Oklahoma in four overtimes, they're eight and two. Might have been a New Year's Six Bowl. We're not having this conversation, I would think, uh, at this point. So the narrative really changed, um, you know, based on uh, on a couple of possessions. And the, my last point is they've had, you know, top 10 recruiting classes the last few years. Top recruits like B. John Robinson this past year broke out. Players from these classes are just getting going. So I think uh, I would have given him at least one more year. Yeah, I feel like the more I've been, the time it's gone on here, the more I'm thinking I, I'm okay with him getting fired. Um, I've been not totally on the fence. Like I could, I saw both sides of the argument and it was fine with me either way. And it really still is, but you know, I mean, yeah, they were a few plays away from having a great season, but they're also a few plays away from having a pretty horrible season. Um, totally. When you can consider comparing them to Alabama, comparing them to Ohio state, they're not even close. You know, I mean, they're, they're so far away and that's just not, you know, okay. At Texas, of course. Um, 
And it, from everything that you've heard about Herman, he didn't necessarily, you know, rub everybody the right way uh, down That's in Austin. <laughs> from the from the boosters to the admin to even the players, it sounds like maybe. So I, I think he probably just, out, you know, I, I think it's more than just wins and losses. I'll just say that, you know, if it was solely based on that, I think he'd be back. But he's that's not always the case. Yeah, I think it's a borderline case when you're just looking kind of at the resume because I can make the positives, you know, like you said, those top five recruiting classes he has, they're starting to take up the bulk of the roster. You could see the team maybe maybe they would would improve after uh, with with all that recruiting piling on top of each other and you look at the average of of Sagarin FPI and SP plus they were inching closer towards kind of being a, a a top 10 type team so to me unless there was a home run hire out there I probably would have just you know I probably would have kept him and saved some money saved some boosters money maybe use that money later on a on a home run guy but at the same time I understand it's been four years this was supposed to be the year that they broke out we said that yeah. last year like if it doesn't happen this year when's it going to happen so I like you, I'm sort of on the fence, but yeah. if yeah. I was in totally, charge, I might have totally hung fair. on for a year. Totally fair. Um, all right, well, let's get to the guy they did hire, Steve Sarkeesian, offensive coordinator from Alabama. Uh, Trey, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts here? So first of all, he's walking into a very good position, in my opinion, um, inheriting some top recruiting classes. Like, the cupboard isn't completely bare. Uh, but I'm as far as Sark, I'm a little underwhelmed. Um, just not necessarily that big home run guy, not like an urban, of course, or anything. And I'll be the first to admit, though, it's so difficult to project the success of of new hires. And if you told me in five years that Sarkeesian has been successful, that would not surprise me at all. Um, and he, he honestly, he should be with with what he's getting. But I'm just underwhelmed because he's not the, you know, the Alabama offensive coordinators the last few year, Dable, Kiffin, Loxley, they've been able to have success there. I know maybe it went up a, another level with with Sark this year, but it's not like he was the the grand architect of of this. Um, so, you know, now he's got to run his own program. Not to mention, it's a big big time program. Um, you know, if I'm a Longhorn fan, I can of course talk myself into it, excited for a fresh start, but I'd, I'd be a little cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, it's not a huge, huge home run hire, but I, I still think it is a, a good hire. Um, obviously, uh, people will, will look at his previous head coaching stints at uh, UW at Washington, where he took over an zero and twelve team. Um, you know, first year they go five and seven, and then he has three straight years of winning seven games, earning <laughs> seven wins. Sark as the, the the motto, but I mean, hey, it's a lot better than winning zero. Then his last year they won eight. And that was with his transition class making having like a 75th ranked overall. So that class was like seniors on his eight win team. So he was doing pretty well there. Um, and of course, he got the good job at USC where, um, you know, I think he was going to do fine. I think he was going to do well there. But we kind of touched on it. But his 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 own personal demons got in the way. Um, he had some 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 personal issues um, that caused him to kind of fail fail there and i think he's learned i think he's in a better place i think he's you know had success uh, i think he's learned from the best and saving so uh, obviously he's a great offensive mind i think he knows the importance of recruiting i like it i think he's gonna do uh, he's gonna do well that's the part I, I like about is is the recruiting like he he's known as a very good recruiter he places a lot of importance on it i'm sure he's gonna hire a staff that recruits really well so if you focus on recruiting at texas then i mean just like Herman, you're going to pull in some some top five classes. Obviously, we've seen though that doesn't guarantee success. So, I I kind of lean more towards Trey as in, eh, it's a fine hire. 
could work out for sure, but at a top five job like Texas, I think it's far from a home run. Um, and by the way, Sam Ellinger announced that he's he's going pro. No surprise there. So they'll be uh, turning the page on that. Uh, let's get to one more uh, firing here. We've got Marshall firing longtime head coach Doc Holliday after going seven and three this year. What uh, any thoughts yeah. on that one? I don't know. It's weird. It seems a little odd. Uh, I mean, they just you know they, they I know they lost their last three games. They were sitting at seven and zero, oh, so they certainly didn't finish yeah. the, the season well and the last three games, the offense just like completely disappeared, but they did have a freshman quarterback and, uh, you know, their defense was incredibly good. So it's a little surprising, uh, especially the last three years, they were 16 and five, um, in the conference, which I mean, you know, I don't, it's pretty good no matter that's, who you are. E- easily the best in their division. Yeah. yeah I just, it's so there, you know, and he was six and two in bowl games in his career there. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there's something else going on here, or whether he was just kind of ready to, move on or something um it's weird well, I, if well, it's just truly the, fired his fired him and like that was it like that's just odd to me it's it's very odd apparently the governor of west virginia jim justice a, a billionaire alum played a role in forcing this move and he had been trying apparently for for years to do this so that's the i think that's kind of the impetus for this happening because i to me it just doesn't make sense. He took over a program that had been mediocre for several year, years. He brought them up to, he won three straight double digit win seasons. He had three straight seasons, double digit wins. Yeah. They were like um, 12 and one or 13 and one, one year. I mean, it's like, yeah. And they've, they've come down slightly from that the last few years. But like you said, best record in their division, the last five years for all last three years, they haven't come down that much. Yeah. And I just, I understand Marshall fans are frustrated by, you know, some of the lot like the rice loss this year, of course, was inexplicable. And there's there's been some losses like that. But I don't know. I just think Holiday has done a really good job overall and didn't seem to be slowing down. Like, yeah. like you said, he's got a freshman quarterback and they had a overall a good season. And like how many times has it ever happened where the conference coach of the year gets the axe? Yeah. He was just like, so, and he had 85 wins in 11 years. Like that's sustained success. That's not just like a few years here and there. They finished first or second in their division seven of his 11 years. They were always relevant. Um, and then Ryan, you kind of alluded to it. Like their future seems pretty bright. Like a young quarterback, Grant Wells, that we see, we all like. I know it went off the rails at the very end, but. He was only a freshman. And then they had a great defense. Like, what more could they ask for at Marshall? I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen, all I say can say is I've seen comments from Marshall fans, like on the articles and on YouTube and stuff, that they seem to be a little bit frustrated with Holiday. Like, so, which seems weird to me, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. They want to we'll be see. like Boise. I guess. I guess. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Tough. I mean, we'll see. I will be interested to see how they, who they get and how they, uh, the programs go, go goes here after they you know after doc they could right. be uh wishing they didn't do that yep all right well uh let's let's recap the rest of the bulls here so we'll uh close out bowl season uh try get us started yeah that's right the goodyear cotton bowl classic had florida and oklahoma oklahoma just mauled the gators 55 to 20 the storyline before the game was all of the opt-outs the Gators had, particularly with their wideouts and and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Trask was essentially playing with skill position guys that he hadn't all year. Um, Trask had his worst game of the season, kind of understood given the circumstances, pressed a little bit. The opt-outs also ended up being the storyline after the game. Uh, Dan Mullen made some excuses for things, as we already know, and and said things like, our scout team 
guys played pretty well too. Um, but the Sooners, regardless of how that played out, the Sooners were the better team. Uh, they put up over s- almost 700 yards of offense. They're going to finish as one of the hottest teams in the country heading into 20, 2021 as one of the favorites to get back to the playoff. Good, good year for the Sooners. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right, let's move right. on to the next one here. Oh, I got it, Mike. We got right. the, I can handle this one. <laughs> you don't need me. <laughs> All right. D- the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, you got good commercials. Uh, Wake Forest versus uh, Wisconsin uh, in this one. Wake Forest got off to a great start. They were up 14-0, uh, but the Badgers settled in. Um, they tied it 14-14 at halftime. And then Wake opened up the second half strong again. Uh, they went up 21-14, but then the Badgers just dominated after that. They won on a 28-0 run, um, and they kind of coasted to a 42-28 uh, victory. Wake Forest um, actually outgained uh, Wisconsin in this one by more than 250 yards. Uh the Badgers only had 266 total yards, but thanks to uh, four interceptions by Sam Hartman, uh, the Badgers were able to capitalize on short fields and cruise to an easy victory despite getting outgained that much. All right, next one we have is the Offer Pad Arizona Bowl. It was the MAC champ Ball State against the Mountain West champ San Jose State. And the, the Spartans of, of San Jose State were without both coordinators due to COVID. Their star pass rusher, Cade Hall, was was out and four other starters as well um, due to contact tracing. And on the first play from scrimmage, they lost their star tight end, uh, Derek Deese, to to an injury. So they they definitely were shorthanded, but not quite enough to explain what happened in this game. It was 27-0 Ball State in the first quarter. Just insane, especially because San Jose State was favored in the game. Nick Starkle threw three picks. He was bad. And uh, Drew Plitt led Ball State to a, a 34-13 win. Crazy. Uh, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. If you told me it was Tulsa and Mississippi State, if you told me that Tulsa would dominate in almost every category and hold Will Rogers to a season low 148 yards passing, I'd have put a good amount of money down on, on Tulsa, but it's not how it played out. Leach's boys found a way. Uh, they had a 90 yard pick six. They had good field position from their kickoff returns by Tulu Griffin. Uh, the game Ends up being remembered, though, because of a little brouhaha at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a decent brawl broke out yeah. uh, after the game. Yeah, that, was, uh, that wasn't good. Um, entertaining game, though. Uh, all right, let's go to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. West Virginia and Army. Uh, this was a good game. Army you had a 21-10 lead uh, in the third quarter. Um, but that's when the savior came in, the backup quarterback for uh, West Virginia, the former starter, the former OU transfer, Austin Kendall. Um, he kind of saved the day. He had uh, he led two touchdown drives uh, for West Virginia, and then pulled ahead twenty four to twenty one and hung on for the win. So, uh, good kind of redemption for him. He kind of struggled a little bit as his as, as his starting started last year for them, and Jared Dagey took over for him. But uh, now West Virginia went six and four. Uh, that's a pretty darn solid year, second year for for Neil Brown. Yeah, not bad. Um, so let's get to the Chick fil A Peach Bowl. We had Georgia against Cincinnati. And both teams were without key players. At first, we thought it would just be Georgia. I think they were down six starters or so. Uh, but Cincinnati had two key pieces out in, in the secondary that sat out. So uh, both not quite 100%. But uh, JT Daniels, once again, had a, a, a great game. He did throw a pick, but 392 yards passing on over 10 yards per attempt is really good against Cincinnati. Kirby Smart did try to blow this one at the end. So Georgia was down two with three minutes left. They were at their own 43, um, 
with with a fourth and three, and he punted. And and not only did he punt, which whatever you could maybe argue, but he called a timeout before. I know. The punt, it's just which like was the worst. It's just, you'd rather take a, a delay of game there. Like it's just unbelievable. So anyway, uh, luckily though, I mean, so so because of that, Cincinnati had a chance. They had a third and two that if they converted, they won. They could have just knelt it out. They didn't convert it, forced to punt it away, and uh, Georgia ended up getting a uh, into field goal range in time to hit a fifty-three yard field goal to to win um, twenty-four to twenty-one. Well, they they took the lead twenty-two to twenty-one, and then the last play of the game, yeah, Cincinnati got a <laughs> yeah. safety. So now the yeah. you mentioned Kirby Smart was all, all obviously dumb for for calling the timeout and not doing the delay game, but Luke Fickle they had that third and two, two minutes to go. Georgia has no timeouts with only two yards. I don't. They they ended up passing it. It was incomplete. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, Georgia needed every second to end up kicking that field goal. You know, with two yards, you know, you think if you run it, you still have a decent chance of getting it. And at worst case, you're going to run thirty more seconds off the clock. But whatever, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Question: Interesting call. That one I didn't. I wouldn't quite go berserk over. You know, um, no. But it was. If it, it was, was like a minute. Then they did that. Okay. Then. Then we're just like, what are you doing? Which we've seen happen before. <laughs> yep. But uh, but uh, all right. So yeah. on to the next one. We got the Verbo Citrus Bowl, Auburn against Northwestern. Northwestern won this 35-19. Where was this Northwestern offense most of the year? Um, I know Auburn wasn't fully cranked up, of course, but they, Northwestern still put up f- over 450 yards of offense. Peyton Ramsey threw for 291. Three scores looked great. Auburn was down 14 nothing. Made it 14-13 in the third, but then the Wildcats pulled away, 21 unanswered. Just watching Auburn's offense, it 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 looks so difficult for them to to move the ball and and score. Um, but a final hat tip to defensive coordinator, coordinator Mike Hankwitz, retiring after 51 years coaching, crazy, including 400 victories, uh, led a great defense this year. I am not sad to see him go. As a Nebraska fan. Yeah, yeah as a Nebraska fan. <laughs> he's, he's been good. Um, all right, let's go to the Capital One Orange Bowl here. We had Texas A&M versus North Carolina. It was a back-and-forth game the whole way. Really, it was a one-score game the entire way um, until A&M's final touchdown that put them up 41-27. to um, But overall, the Aggies, they ran the ball well. They rushed for 225 yards. They didn't turn the ball over. Uh, Mond was solid. Um, in North Carolina, you could tell they were definitely missing – those playmakers that decided to sit out, you know, the running backs and the wide receiver. That was a, uh, that was definitely a big, a uh, big factor in the game. If they had those guys, who knows, they might've, you know, might've won, but uh, it would have been, been close. But overall, I mean, you gotta be really pleased if you're an Aggie fan. I mean, you win the orange bowl, you go nine and one. I, I don't think anybody could have imagined a better year uh, for them. So that was, that was good. Even North Carolina, even though they lost this game, you're feeling really darn good about oh, yeah. the future of your program too. So um, great game. And, both teams come out feeling probably pretty good about themselves overall. Agreed. Yeah. Both good seasons, uh, both probably going to be highly ranked headed into next year. Uh, let's get to the PlayStation Fiesta bowl. We got Oregon versus Iowa state, Matt Campbell and the Cyclones got the 34 17 win to, you know, cap off one of the best seasons in school history. And the biggest difference in this game was turnovers, Oregon. They actually outgained Iowa state on a per play basis, but, turned it over four times and they were also 0 for 7 on third and fourth downs so when it really shuck counted didn't convert yeah yeah shuck tyler was shuck rough. was and and anthony brown kind of rotated in and out at, at quarterback so there could be a, a 
a battle there headed into 2021. Uh, as for Iowa State, Brock Purdy announced he's coming back. Brees Hall, of course, just a true sophomore, so he'll be back. They're going to be, I mean, they've got a chance, I would think, to be like a preseason top 10 team headed into next year. Yeah, we'll have to see what defense the returning production, but yeah, especially with people very aware of Matt Campbell and his prowess. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, with those two guys, you're, you're going to be pretty good. All right. My last one is the Outback Bowl. Ole Miss against Indiana. Ole Miss actually pulled off the upset as about an eight point underdog. They won 26 to 20. You never know what Matt Corral you're going to get in a game, but this Matt Corral was the one that didn't turn it over. Uh, shredded the Hoosier defense, 342, two scores. Uh, and I like how Kiffin used the backup quarterback, John Reese Plumley at receiver often. Uh, and it, it was surprising that with their suspect defense, I'm talking about Ole Miss, of course, they held the Hoosiers in check, really, for the most part. Uh, poor Hoosiers. They, they still don't have a bull win since the 91 Copper Bowl. This was one of their best teams they've had. Uh, I know Ole Miss only went 5-5, five and five, but to me, it just feels like a pretty good 5-5. Five and five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were within a point of beating what Bama, right? They only lost by one, if I'm mistaken, or well, they no, were in within like, no, they didn't, they they they, like 14, but yeah, well, they were like, right there. They, they were, were right there. They were right there. <laughs> they lost. Maybe like, it felt like it because I remember I that was like it was double digits. digits. No, you're right. It was. That was my heaviest bet of the year, and I was sweating bullets. I just remember the, the, the stress of it all. Felt like one point, maybe. They covered for sure. Yeah, <laughs> they covered for me. They came through. Uh, all right, uh, let's get on to the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Hey, wasn't that game like like a tied in the fourth quarter though? Oh yeah, it, no, it was. Yeah, no, it right? was close, but Bama yeah. won by two yeah. scores. <laughs> all right, fair enough. And by the way, right. I read that Jack Tuttle was like playing through a separated shoulder this year for for Indiana, so maybe that played a part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, still a great year for them. They'll Absolutely, be back. Um, all right, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. We got North, uh, NC State and Kentucky. Ugly, ugly game, as maybe you might expect. Um, both QBs struggled, as you would expect. Uh, Terry Wilson uh, for Kentucky, the QB, he threw 20 times for just 99 yards. Um, Bailey Hockman threw three picks for NC State, and of course, a very costly one there in the fourth quarter as they were trying to mount their comeback. Um, Kentucky, I guess they ran the ball well. That was that was a positive for them for sure. Uh, they they ran for nearly 300 yards, and um, you know they played solid defense, with, which is what they do under Stoops, and they held on to win a 23-21 game. So uh, just another another bowl win for Stoops, and a little bit of a down year con- considering where they have done the last several years. But hey, a bowl win's a bowl win, man. Yep. Uh, and and by the way, Tuttle it was separated his shoulder during the game, so uh, yeah, not not earlier in not the year. year. <laughs> yeah, that would. I, I don't say that's a long time to have a separated shoulder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think you'd be playing if uh, I don't know. But apparently, he played through it during the game, which is pretty crazy. Anyway, so. all right, that'll do it. That'll do it for for bowl season. Just the national championship left, of course. Uh, thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Be sure to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Subscribe to our YouTube YouTube channel. We're putting up short bonus videos there every week. Uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to support us there. We're going to keep doing episodes, of course, in the off season, and uh, enjoy the national championship. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, 
Follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.